She didn't cry. Yeah, it's good. If you are new to Hill City, my name is John, and just so glad that uh, you got to join us and worship with us. And every week, our goal, you know, uh, is, is, is encountering Jesus so that we can join with him what he's doing in our community. We want to be a part of that, lighting up our city with the tangible love of Jesus socially, physically, and spiritually. We believe those are the three areas of poverty that we want to hit and fill for the glory of God and for the good of people. So a Sunday, I, I really believe it's a time to fill up and so that we may be poured out and so that we may be filled up again. And today we're on part four of the sermon series, Identity, going through first Peter. And now I love Peter, and I told you about this, because he's so normal. He's so normal. I, I would say Peter is that guy Jesus found at the Home Depot parking lot. He's like, you're coming with me, right? You're coming with me, Peter. He's the guy who plays, like, competitive softball and listens to gangster rap in his car when the kids aren't around, right? So this is how I view Peter. He's this normal guy. He's belligerent sometimes. He misses the mark. Jesus even called him Satan one time, right? So yet Peter was the one that Jesus named. Simon Peter was the one that Jesus named the rock, it was him who Jesus used to start this world-changing movement called the church. It was him who led the charge, this normal, normal person. So here's my question. How does a person like that become a person like that, right? That's what I'm wondering. How does Simon Peter become the leader of the church, become the rock, become the one who was crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified the same way Jesus was? This guy who was all in, this major transformation that happens from fisherman to world changer. It seems so unthinkable, that kind of transformation. Yet this is how Jesus also talks about us in the room today. He says, you will be fishers of men for souls. You are the light of the world. You will do even greater things than me. Think about that comment that Jesus made towards us. I think it's very odd. I'm like, I don't think so. He's like, yeah, I got you. You're going to because I'm going to the Father. You're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You're going to do even greater things. And, and in Peter, he tells us we're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. But how do we get from here to there, from who we are to who Jesus says that we are? And with that in mind, please go to 1 Peter chapter 4. All right. We celebrate the word of God because the word of God reveals Jesus. And Jesus absolutely changes our lives. So I want to remind you, just giving you backstory, that in 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 1 Peter, Peter is writing to the suffering church in Asia Minor. This is modern-day Turkey. They're going through harsh persecution. They're in hiding. They're in imminent danger of Rome. And many have already been taken. They've been murdered or imprisoned for their faith. And you would think that Peter says, hide out, man. Don't do all this Jesus stuff right now. It's not a good time. Rather, this is what Peter says. He says, don't back down from 1 Peter chapter 1 to 3. He's like, don't back down, but he's doubling down. He says, don't give up. It's time to grow up because we can't remain youngsters right now. We need to mature up, moving from who you are to who God says that you are. So Peter is speaking from firsthand because you can see his transformation in his life. And so Peter is depending on God, and, and, and he's saying, we need to grow up. 
knowing that only obedience in Jesus results in a radical transformation into new life. Obedience. And with that in mind, I'm going to start reading. Chapter 4, verse 1 to 11. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, since he died on the cross for you, he says, arm yourself also with the same attitude. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. Verse 2, as a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil, evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. Verse 3, for you have spent enough time in the past. I love that. He's pretty straight up. Doing what pagans do, those who don't know God do, those who are ignorant towards God do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. Peter is straight up telling us, and he's saying, this was you. This was you. Getting blackout drunk, sleeping around, living life for pleasure, using people for yourself, egocentric, this was the normal Roman life for these people. Verse 4, now they, your old friends, are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. They make fun of you. They mock the way you live, but they will have to give account to God who's ready to judge the living and the dead. Verse 6, for this is the reason the gospel was preached, even to those who are now dead, and he's talking about spiritually dead, so that they might be judged according to human standards in regards to the body live accordingly to God in regards to the spirit. The end of all things is near. Think about that. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. So Peter here begins by saying, number one, remember the cross. I know every message you will hear me say, Right back to Jesus. We must remember the cross because everything starts with the cross. I'm telling you, with Christianity, without understanding the cross, without the cross, it's, it's, it's this thing about me. But when we get to the cross, we understand that it is our source of humility, our source of strength, hope, and victory. Knowing Jesus bared my cross, paid for my soul, my sins, my forgiveness, my freedom, my transformation into his likeness. The cross is at the core of my transformation. I'm going to say that again. The cross is at the core of your transformation. We never get over the cross. We never stop talking about it because it starts there and we move into the resurrected life. So we are cross-training, cross-training. Now, how many of you guys like to work out? Anyone like to work out? Some of you guys really like to work out. I don't like to work out, obviously, right? I, I've been drinking three cups of coffee today, only one with creamer, all right? But I, I don't like to work out because starting to work out is hard, right? You know why I don't like to lift weights? Because weights are heavy, right? And they hurt. They hurt. And I'm not good at it. So after I had arm surgery not too long ago, I just stopped working out for a long time before the surgery and after. And instead of working out, I just started to consume hot Cheetos. Right? So when you eat hot Cheetos in that way, you, you, I started getting uncomfortable. I'm like, my clothes aren't, it's no, no longer fitting. I remember the first time I noticed I had to do, I, I was wearing my suit. I was like, this suit is maxed out, Candace. This suit is maxed out. Right? So I started going back to the gym, and I was super uncomfortable. So I started with 15 minutes because I, I was reading a part of this book called Atomic Habits where you just start small. Sometimes you just show up to the gym, and you leave, right? You're just making a small habit. You're like, all right. So I'd be there for like 10, 15 minutes, like pretending to work out, you know? 
Let's get this. I'm kidding. Uh, so I would be, I'd be like doing a, a, aerobics band stuff because my arm was still hurting, right? And then I, it's now it's been 30 minutes, now 45 minutes. I've, I've been going. It's been good. It's been good. I can start seeing the difference. So this is a kettlebell. Anyone like kettlebells? Right? This, yeah, you like the kettlebell? Hee! <laughs> I'm going to bust my knee out. Right? Right? Someone lift this kettlebell over their head. All right. Candace, go ahead. I want you to lift this over your head, right? Right? Uh, but but uh, you know why Candace can't lift o- this over her head? Because she hasn't trained to do it. I've seen people do this her size. It's like, bong. I'm like, I can't do that. Amazing. But if you keep on working at it, you keep on training, you start growing. I'm not going to do it, I swear. I'm going to bust my knee on the way down. <laughs> but some of you guys can easily be like, all right, what do you want me to do with this? Where, where would you like me to take this, right? And others of us will be dragging it. You're like, I need to put this down right now, right? But it comes with training. For some of us to lift this over our head, it's impossible, at least right now. But for others, it's easy. But it didn't happen overnight. It took training, growing, learning, building. And what was once we thought impossible has become easy. Think about that. What you think was once impossible is easy. How is that? Let me correlate that to our faith. You can't try to be like Jesus in the moment if you're not training to be like Jesus. Think about that. You can't just try. I'm going to just try. You know, I'm going to do my thing just like Jesus. No, you got to train to be like Jesus. Can you run a marathon without training? Some of you get maybe. No, I can't, right? Can you bench 300 pounds without training? Can you build a skyscraper without training? You shouldn't. No one's going to go in there, right? Run a successful business without training. Then how much more do we need to train in our faith and be trained like Jesus to move from Peter into the rock? Trying versus training. They're going to put that up. Trying versus training. Trying is effort in the moment. Like, I can try this. Training is long obedience in one direction. Trying is just in the moment. Training is long obedience in one direction. Our discipleship, our growth in Christ is long obedience in one direction. Trying is good, but training produces transformation. Church. Salvation is not just believing the right things and attending church and acting Christian, right? Salvation is transformation that happens through continual training into the likeness of Jesus. The goal is not information nor Christian conforming, but transformation. And to add to that, here's something about me and you. If I don't work out, then I don't eat well. Then I don't feel good, which makes me feed my face and then I can't fit into my pants suit, right? Which puts me in a mood, meaning like when I'm training, other parts of my life come under control. Think about that for a moment. So Peter says in verse 1, Therefore, since Christ has suffered in his body since the cross, arm yourself with the same attitude. Arm yourself, equip yourself, train yourself with Jesus' mindset. Train your attitude. With the word of God. This is foundational training. With the sermon on the mount he spoke. With Peter's words, Paul's words, Moses' words. The sermon on Sunday. Let that be a part of your cross training. Becoming more like Jesus little by little. And you can't see it right right away. It's not microwave relationship with God, right? It happens. It's a long journey. A long obedience. 
in one direction. Train your attitude with prayer. Prayer keeps your heart like Jesus. If you stop praying, you can't have his heart. I love the words of uh, Leonard Ravenhill who wrote this. No man is greater than his prayer life. No woman is greater than her prayer life. The pastor who's not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are straying. We have many organizers but few agonizers, many players and few payers, few prayers, many singers, few clingers, lots of pastors, few wrestlers, many fears, few tears, much passion, little, uh, much fashion, little passion, many interferers, few intercessors, many writers, but few fighters failing here. We fail everywhere. I love the first words, no person is greater than their prayer life. No gifting, no nothing. We're not greater than our prayer life. So we're praying. We're training with your attitude. Training also in Jesus' rhythms of life. Number two, or the second B, this B, right? Rhythms of serving, not just one time. In, in serving, we don't just serve one time. We're like, all right, we're going to make these bags, right? For, uh, d- yay, we're doing good stuff, and we are doing good things. But we continue to plan serving. We schedule it because what you schedule gets done. Isn't that true? That's why I put even like, church into my schedule because I have to, it, whatever I schedule, I actually accomplish so that when opportunities arise, it's ordinary to serve. Rhythms of serving. Rhythms of community, like groups, we all need a squad to be encouraged, to bear each other's burdens, to confess our sins to one another so that you may be healed. You can't hold it just to yourself. You can't hold up. We learn together. We laugh together. We do life together. Rhythms of generosity. We train to live generous lives like our Father in heaven. Jesus shows us and tells us it's better to give than to receive. Rhythms of rest. This one's a big one for us because we are Americans. We are so busy, and I suck at resting. I'm just straight up with you. I am horrible at resting. I don't rest well because I think I need to control everything, right? It is a control thing for me until I get so tired that I'm just forced to rest, and that's my immaturity. I'm like Thomas the Train. I always say, I think I can. I think I can do that. I think I can. But the truth is, I can't, and we can't. We need rhythms of constant rest. We need rhythms. It needs to be in our weekly rhythms, our monthly rhythms. Rest is also how we put our trust in God, submitting our schedule and our plan, saying, God, I know that I can't control this, but I know that you got this. We need to rest in him. Rest is submission of my heart and my hopes. Number two, remember eternity. Verse 7 says, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded. In the timeline of eternity, our life is just a blip. I'm telling you. I know we think the younger we are, the more we think we last forever. Yet, it's so fast. It's so fast. I I look at my daughter. I'm like, I cannot believe you are going to turn 14. You're two years from driving, Right? I will not even let you around. She's like, when are you going to let me practice? I'm like, never, never, right? 
We can get so lost running after, worrying about all these things that fade away, what we wear, what we drink, what people think about us, this our false kingdom that we're building. And listen, we can't keep up with the Joneses because there's always newer Joneses, right? We're always trying to keep up. And God knows your desire of your heart. He cares for your wants, but God is more interested. Listen, listen, listen. God is more interested in who you're becoming than what makes you feel good. God is more interested in who you're becoming than what makes you feel good. So we must remember eternity is at hand. At any moment, we can be face-to-face with God. Tomorrow is not promised. Today could be our last day. I don't tell you to to make you fearful or say, worry. I tell you because that's the absolute truth. Last Tuesday, I did a funeral for Juanita Thorpe. She sits She used to sit right back there. She was there three weeks ago, staring at me, giving me a smile. Some of you met her. But at the funeral, all people talked about was the way she lived, her great love for God. And people told so many stories of how she changed their lives. She lived in a way as if people were eternal, and they are. She loved people the way she loved her God, and it literally that when I opened up the mic, the stories started to flow, and I had to shut it down. Can you imagine at your funeral, you're like, no more stories. They're, they're too good, <laughs> right? It's too much. I was like, man, I, wanna, I want the end of my life to look like that. I, I was thinking, how, I said to myself, how can I live like that, making an eternal impact on so many people that I had said, you have to take that to the reception, that the stories wouldn't end. Because she believed eternity starts right now. It doesn't start someday. It starts today. So I want us to think about that. Remember eternity. Verse 11, uh, 8 to 11, I'm going to read the rest of it. Above all, love each other deeply. This is the third time Peter writes this in four chapters. Love each other deeply like we're going to forget. So he writes it over and over again because we do forget. We think it's about this, about that. Love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sin. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. You're like, oh, they're coming over again. Don't complain about taking care of people. Each of you, verse 10, should use whatever gift you've received, you receive these gifts, to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, knowing that all our gifts come from God, right? If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. In Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Wow. Listen up. Peter's saying this. The way we love, the way we offer hospitality, the way we actually care for people, the way we serve, the way we use our gifts and giftedness, the way we speak is how our world, our neighbors, our coworkers, our family experiences and understands God. Your life story is a personal amplifier of the evidence of God showing the difference that Jesus makes, right? The transformation that Jesus makes. The strongest evidence for Christianity is Christians. Yet, at the same time, the strongest evidence against Christianity is Christians. That's right. That's right. 
So we need to get serious about Jesus, not trying, but training with his attitude, with his rhythms. And this is not just for pastors. This is for and those who, are, who believe they're super spiritual, right, that they need to do this. This is for all of us. Shaping our lives around Jesus, like Paul says, not the other way around. We can't Jesus sprinkle stuff. Oh, I'll put a little bit of Jesus here. Little Jesus here in my life, right? Because when we love, serve, give, bring reconciliation when it's hard, speak truth, pursue peace, hold our tongue, and sacrifice, our world will notice. So here's my question. Who are you becoming? I believe this is one of the most important questions you will answer in your life. Who are you becoming? Who are we becoming are we actually becoming more like Jesus? Is there a continued transformation from salvation? Not more information on conformity, but transformation that moves us from Peter to the rock. I was thinking about that this, this week. I was, I was just thinking about it. It's interesting that we can remain Christians or call ourselves Christians. I'm going to be straight up hard, all right? So just enjoy. Enjoy. I'm speaking to myself. It's interesting that we can be Christians and all we need to do is believe the right things, right? And give a little bit in church and be consistent in attendance. And then we're like, yeah, that person's saved. Yet they're not transforming into anything like Jesus. But we're like, that's okay. You could still come. You're still good. Like no one points out you're the crankiest person in the room, right? No one likes to be around you. But praise God, you, the faithful, you've been faithful. Man, we, there has to be transformation in our heart. Discipleship leads us to look and act and speak and love more like Jesus, not just more religion and more stuff that we know about God. We actually live it out. How can we accept that for ourselves? If there is no transformation going on here, it's not okay. Someone has to call it out. I'm just calling it out. I'm calling it out on myself. Is there transformation going on in our lives? Or are we becoming more like Jesus, his attitude, his rhythms, his life, remembering the cross and remembering eternity? I believe Peter will tell us that too many Christians have prayed the prayer of faith but did not actually surrender their lives to Jesus. Some Christians are more cranky, but others, they don't care about sin at all. Like, Jesus is just cool with it, right? He's like, oh, he's cool with it, sin. He's not holy like that, right? Wrong. He's holy like that. He's not cool with your sin. He knows it's destroying you, and it's destroying the praise and glory of God in our world. He's not cool with it. Who are we becoming? Where's the transformation? Are we looking more like Jesus or nothing like him? Let's stand. Just, just take a moment. Just take a moment. Just put your heads and just ask yourself, who am I becoming? Who am I becoming?
Some of us, we're on the right projection. There's transformation taking place. And I just want to tell you, don't give up. Peter would tell you, don't give up. I know you feel like giving up. Trust me, I understand. Don't give up. I know people have hurt you. Don't give up. Peter is speaking to those who are being murdered. And he's saying, don't give up living like Christ. It's worth it. Eternity is at hand. Others of us, we need to repent. And God is speaking to your heart, speaking to you about your sin, your attitude of the heart. Today, take a moment to confess it. Just you and God, confess it. Run from sin and submit to Jesus and get to training to mature obedience, long obedience in one direction. We have things at church like growth track and groups, and if you need someone to mentor you, you can even tell us at the Welcome Center, I need someone to help me. Just what, what's my next step? We need to move from Simon, Peter, to start becoming rocks. And it comes with a cost. It's inconvenient. And it means taking risk and stepping out in faith. But you and I, as Christians, we're not called to a decision, but we're called to Jesus and obedience. That's training. Heavenly Father, I just pray for us today. God, as we sing to worship you, I live. Let it be real, Lord God. You know, can you just sing over us if you're in here? I don't know if he is. It's okay. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live, I live. To worship. this room and you need to get right with God today 
I just want you to respond just by raising your hand saying, you know what, I need to take a step of faith. And you know what, I've never started this journey with Christ. I've never accepted him into my life. I've never submitted my life to him. I have just no information about him. But I want to start my training today. If that's you, just raise your hand. I just want to pray with you. Anyone in this room? Yeah? It's all right. worship you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God. And for the rest of us, I pray that we move and we don't give up. We move to long obedience in one direction. Heavenly Father, as we leave this room today, Lord God, I pray, Lord God, we cement in our heart, Lord God, we're not trying, God, to be Christian, Lord. We are training, Lord God. We're training in every area of our life, Lord God. Lord, that's truly, we can say, to worship you today is the way I live, Lord God. That I worship you, Lord God, at my workplace. I worship you, my family, Lord God. I'm aware of your presence, Lord God, every day. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Yeah, give God praise. God bless you guys.